you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey, Commander. Just like old times, huh? I can't believe it's you, Joker. Look who's talking. I saw you get spaced. Got lucky, with a lot of strings attached. How'd you get here? It all fell apart without you, Commander. Everything you stirred up, the Council just wanted it gone. The team was broken up, record sealed, and I was grounded. The Alliance took away the one thing that mattered to me. Hell yeah, I joined Cerberus. You really trust the elusive man? Well, I don't trust anyone who makes more than I do. But they aren't all bad. Saved your life. Let me fly. And there's this. They only told me last night. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're discussing our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zelenkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Greetings from space. And this is episode 19, and we are moving on to Freedom's Progress. Uh, Before we do, though, I just want to go back uh, real quickly. I don't think we talked about this. In the very opening of Mass Effect 2, right before the Normandy blows up, you have one of your crew members, uh, you know, that, that Shepard kind of argues with about, you know, like, oh, you know, g- go save everyone. And like, I'm not leaving without you. Yeah. Usually it's your love interest. That's right. So who did you guys have to, to say, you know, to, to be on the Normandy with you that you then didn't see again? Yeah, I had Liara. You had Liara. Yeah. I had Caden. You got Caden. Really? I didn't have a love interest in the first one, so are you, they gave me are you Caden. Doing, are you doing a tally playthrough? Yeah, I'm doing a tally like a playthrough. Pure tally? Okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't have a love interest, so it's like it gave me Caden. <laughs> I didn't realize you, you let Ashley die. I thought. I, I, yeah, I let Ashley die. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, 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 I never let Ashley live. I never let Caden live. So this time, I'm like, I'll let Caden live this time. Huge mistake. Yeah, I, I, I was in the same boat. Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll 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 get to the because the, the 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 only little weird thing is like, I mean, the dialogue and the character movements are all the same. Yeah, and it just felt like a little bit like I think it's one of those things where like the movements are there that like when you're like, oh, this is my love interest, and like every longing look you read like a little bit more into it, and you're like, oh yeah, you're like, of course they have a long look because. You know they're 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 you know into each other, uh, but when it's just Caden and and you know Shepard, like two dude bros, every long look is just <laughs> it's just well, awkward. So there is like a complicated formula, I think, for how it picks the person, which you know, if it isn't your love interest, is apparently like who you were tightest with, um, or maybe it's like who you took on them. Did you take Caden out a lot in Mass Effect One? I might have. I did. I, I, I didn't. I okay. I don't know. I, I, well, actually, no. I, I think I would have taken Tally. I don't know. I, I maybe I balanced it. I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I need to look back. I'm going to look into this, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there is like a mechanism they pick for this. If it's if you didn't romance somebody, then it's there's some something. The game is trying to tell you that you love Caden a lot, both of you, apparently. 
Oh, we'll 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 get into that in a few episodes. <laughs> so wait, Nick, you you let Ashley die too? Yeah. Oh, dude. I'd never done that before, okay. so I was very curious to see what would happen. Gotcha. Okay, so you were both in the same boat. All right, all right. Maybe it's just because Caden was the one with you the longest then, uh, and you be. didn't have a love interest, so maybe you know. Yes. That yeah, makes I, sense. Yeah, I think. Because I, because I mean, it, it didn't occur to me at the time, but yeah, like I, like my first playthrough, you know, I was I was romancing Ashley, and so of course she was there, and then that, you know, then when everything blows up, that hits extra hard, and then my second playthrough, I'd romance Liara, and of course she was there. Right. I even forgot that Liara was a choice. I just figured it was going to be Ashley or Caden, whichever one you, you, you know, whichever one survives Vermeer, and then like, wait a minute, I, I'm pretty sure Liara did this with me, and then I had to go like looking up a video. I'm like, yeah, Liara could do this, and that's when I got all confused. I'm like, how did I wind up with Caden? Yeah, I had to double check yeah. on that. I hadn't thought. I didn't realize there was actually a difference. I was like, "Oh, it's Caden." Yeah, I guess it makes sense. He we're, uh, we're both part of the military, so you know. In 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 hindsight, I think Shepard should have got in the escape pod and told Caden, "You go get Joker." Right, right. <laughs> Would have saved a lot of trouble and a lot of money for Cerberus. Right. <laughs> but. What, you don't anyway. think they, they'd spend tons of money to bring Caden back? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they had somehow lost Caden's voice files in the original Mass Effect, they might have just deleted him from the game instead of trying to recreate them. That's what I would have done. Sorry, Caden. It's all right, Carf. I mean, Caden. Yeah, no, we'll... We'll, we'll get into Caden to, to more in, uh, in a future episode, because... Uh, this is this is not the last we see of him. <laughs> well, assuming he, assuming assuming he's still alive in your playthrough. So if he's dead, then that yeah. is the last you'll see of Caden. That's true. <laughs> that is true. One other thing that I want to bring up before we move on, because we did talk about the resource gathering mechanic last time, and I didn't think of this until after we had talked about it, because I did a lot of resource gathering over the last week. I had a lot of time to just go around. There are these planets. And I don't understand why the meter, when you're gathering the resources, it tops out at 25,000. Or like, you're, you're, you know, like it fills up and then it hit, you know, but like, so the meter itself looks full, but you can keep gathering resources. I want to say infinitely. I don't know if there's actually a cap or not at some point. I, there might be. Yeah. But I don't, I don't forget how high it is. I looked it up and it like, it's, it's something ridiculous because some people were getting out to two, 300,000. So it's something you can't think like, I'd forgotten it didn't cap out. I was kind of worried. I'm like, man, I'm getting close, and I don't, I can't afford any of these resources. Is there a storage I need to pick up? I don't remember there being a storage. Looked it up again. I'm like, oh yeah, this is infinite. I forgot. I mean, some things cost like fifty thousand platinum or whatever, so it's right. You know, obviously they go over, and it's not hard to notice it goes over when you you see it tick over twenty five thousand and stay full, right. but. Right. So then why even bother having the thing like having the little meter to fill up? It doesn't make it like it should be scaled properly. I don't understand why it exists in the form that it does. Why it's not just numbers. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or, or, or you know, if, 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 you know, like, or I, I guess, you know, maybe set the cap to like a hundred thousand or something, because at the very least, like at the very least, it should be as much as the most expensive thing you can use for that resource. Right. So if you can get something for 50,000, then it should be 50,000. Because otherwise you're like, oh, I got 25,000. I should be good. And like, no, you're, 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 you're not. Unless they're saying like 25,000 is the bare minimum we expect you to keep on hand at all times, which that's 
unusual. Right. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't I don't I've never really thought about that meter before. But now that you're talking about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I know I usually finish playthroughs with like 200, 300,000 of some resources just because I like that planetary exploration minigame. I just found it. I find the music very soothing. Yeah, it's so not too bad. a lot of times, like I'll sit and do it for way longer than I need to. I like I made myself stop. We were talking about this last episode. Every time, like I don't even touch planets that are moderate or below. And anytime I take something from like you know rich or or good down to moderate, I dip out because I know there's I'm going to see way more planets anyway, and like mm-hmm. I have to stop myself. Yeah, and one other interesting thing about this, uh, there's an upgrade you can get to make it like twice as fast to scan stuff. But it doesn't really matter if you're playing on PC because if you just left up the mouse, right mouse click, you can go as fast as you want. It doesn't really affect it. It does really a lot on like, console. Yeah, on console it makes sense. Which I found out parallel also in console they actually increased the size of it because originally it was too small for console. Weird. Huh. As someone who's only ever played on PC, that that makes a lot more sense now because I, I never I never had a problem with the scan. Right. <laughs> you know, so. My, my, this is the other, like we talked about this too. Like the reason I don't do like the back and forth sweeps is I don't have like I'm not playing with a mouse. I'm doing it with a controller, oh. so I've got the right stick just sort of, and that's why I do like kind of circles or squiggles around. I, you know, I'm not I'm not trying too hard. Oh, that makes way more sense. Yeah, yeah I'm I've got the mouse and I'm just yeah, like you know that's just boom and whatever. But yeah. okay, well, that- yeah. But also for some reason I have way too much fun doing the scanning don't understand why because before the podcast today i'm like i'll do a quick scan get some materials and i'll go play some missions then i'm like a couple hours later i'm like oh yeah i should probably uh do some missions but i don't have enough time now <laughs> it also didn't help yeah. that i put on a i put on a audiobook while i was doing it so it's like oh time flies when you're scanning planets and you, if you did um, the stuff in Mass Effect 1, I think if you did, uh, definitely if you did that mission for getting the, the resource types, you come into the game with a really hefty amount of starter resources. Yeah, and even if you don't, with how, like, uh, there's so many rich plants around the starting systems that you can just get tons anyways. Right. Also, a quick fact for anybody: if you're doing this, make sure you just do the rich planets. Don't waste your time with the with the good and below. It's not worth the effort. That's probably yeah. I, like I was saying, I do rich and good. I probably don't need to be doing good. I'm convinced that the whatever planet I skip over is going to be the one that has that little bit of ezo that I need because that's always the one resource that you can ever find. Like, and so I'm like, no, I got to keep looking for that one that little pocket of ezo that's there. That's why I'm here. And yeah, it's so that's that's the exception. But once I have like. 50 75k ezo in the bank i'm done with ezo like there's just not that much in the game that needs it unless you like to respec a lot oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like if, if you're Try playing on insanity and you're respecing because you need i want this skill for this mission yada yada then sure that makes sense did you, did you guys find a need to respect not really i mostly like because like uh the specs i saw going down there's only a couple different percentages like either like shields, maybe some damage or health. And overall, I'm like, mm, I really don't care about these stats as much as making sure that my team members have the uh, the name I think associates with them more. Because I feel like I put Renegade for like Garrus, and then I put Genius for Morden. I'm like, because that made more sense to me, like for their characterization. Yeah, I um, I 
played I'm not done with three yet. I'm closing in. Got maybe about 15 hours left of that. But um New Tales just came out, so that's gonna be tough. Uh oh, I, you got that too? <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Um oh, so it's good. real good. But so I I've been playing on normal because I decided ah, I just want to see this again. I think I did myself a disservice. I probably should have been playing on vet at least. Um because I, I just like cakewalked my way through both two and and so far three i mean i remember three being harder so oops uh i think um vanguard with like the charge nova combo kind of puts the game on easy mode if you if you play it on normal that's fair there's a few times only a few times where i've I found myself charging into something and then usually you know it, it'll it might survive that initial charge but then i can usually punch it a few times and it's fine but there's a there was one time where like I charged into something and you can charge through crates. So then I was trying to like back up, but the way the crates were, I got pinned, and then that's when I was like, oh, now I'm now I'm stuck. And and yeah, then. the so uh, this is far away, but real quick, in three you can spec charge and nova such that like when you charge you get uh or when you nova it only takes half shields, and then when you charge you get a full shield boost. So you can if you. If you have a light loadout and you get like that 200% power recharge time, I kill Atlas mechs by just charging and novaing them repeatedly. <laughs> I just kind of, because my shield fills so, or my, my powers recharge so fast. It's like charge, nova, get a few shots off. Oh, my uh, attack is ready. So it doesn't matter what my shield's at because I charge again and I have full shields. It's kind of broken. Nice. You know, but that's the kind of thing though where I feel like for a, a you know, 10, 15 year old game, let it be broken. Oh yeah. Like we're, we're, we're not, we're not here for the, the visceral feeling of the combat. And if we really are, we can spec ourselves into a, a build that will give us that actual challenge. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, if we, if we want to come in and curb stomp a map, or, or I could play on like real difficulty. That's what I'm saying. It's like playing on normal. Yeah. Like it's pretty easy to kind of break the game just with different powers and builds and, that was the other reason, like, I'm not going to bother respecking is I, I know what a good spec is that I like to play and I can right. just tear through everything. At this point, you basically respec every playthrough that you do. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you've, you've already experimented with enough builds that you know what you're, you're going for each time. You're not, you're not going to wind up with a broken build somehow, like a broken <laughs> build in a bad way. Yeah, that's right. So one other thing that I want to bring up from last time, did we talk much about Jacob? Like, I guess we mentioned him maybe in passing, but did we say, cause like he is one of our party members. Yeah. I think we tried to mention him, but I think he suffers like almost the same problem as Caden that he's kind of forgettable. He's not as exciting to play as like, as uh, some of the other characters you have on your squad. And, like, I, I, for some reason, every time I start the game, I keep forgetting that Jacob's one of the first people you talk to. I'm like, oh, hi, Jacob. Yeah, I remember you. I completely forgot well, about you. Well, his role in, like, the med bay experience that we talked about last time, like, he's he's the guy that walks you through it. Like, he's the, you know, he explains to you everything that's going on. You know, Miranda gets the cool, badass introduction there, so she can't be the person to to be your guide. So, they you know, they let J- Jacob... You know, kind of hold your hand as you go through there. Yeah, it's um, he joined you very similar to how Caden joined you because you, you first joined up with Caden uh, and Jenkins, who is at yeah. this time it was Williams, and they are disposable. 
Whereas the first guy is kind of boring. And then the secondary character that everybody keeps, Miranda or Ashley. Interesting that Shepard starts out with the guy and then finds the girl. Yes. Hmm. I hadn't thought about it right now either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, um, similarity between the opens of those first two games. I, I I think Jacob maybe makes a better impression if it's your first play through the game and you're kind of like getting accommodated to it, maybe. I You know, I don't know. Um, but even then, like Miranda talks you through that first part of like getting a gun and shooting your first mech and all that. And then you bump into Jacob and. Yeah, I don't know. I like Jacob. I, I think his loyalty mission is really pretty interesting. Um, but I don't think Jacob has any moments in the game that are like really affecting. Nah. And so I think he's a nice guy and he's probably would be more interesting with some more backstory. But I think, you know, even like even in his loyalty mission, I think a lot of that story isn't about him so much as it's about his dad. Yeah, and like all we know is like he's a former alliance uh, who joined Cerberus. So right. Mm. The one thing that I find interesting is that I guess I guess comparing him to Caden, like really none of the other characters talk about Caden except for Doctor Chakwas, who basically explains like, "Oh, I feel bad for him because he gets headaches all the time." And so you're kind of like like if you're informing yourself based on the opinions of the the other characters, you know, you're using that to to figure out these characters for yourself you're kind of going to look down on Caden a little bit because Dr. Chakwas kind of says like, Oh, he's got these headaches. That's a problem for him. The only other character I can think of that primarily talks about Jacob off the top of my head is Kasumi. Oh yeah. Her, and she's into Jacob. Oh yeah. So at the very least, the other characters, they do kind of, you know, they, 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 they prop him up rather than putting him down. And I think that, you know, it, it, it Gives gives Jacob a leg up. He, I mean, the game alludes to Jacob and Miranda having a, a history together and does just nothing with that. I, like, it comes up a couple times. Um, both of them just kind of say, yeah, some stuff happened, not going to talk about it. Which, you know, I mean, that's a super valid, normal adult response that, that you can have to, hey, I'm working with this person I used to date. Now we're totally professional, you know, keeping it cash. Good for you, but boy, that makes for boring story. <laughs> like, that's not exciting. You are never excited to hear at work about the you know the couple that broke up and then just went back to normal and it was cool. Like it's better for them, but it's worse for us as like third parties observing it. It's better for Shepard because it's less bullcrap for Shepard to have to deal oh, with. For sure, is. yeah. 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 No, 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 just like, uh, can you guys please stop arguing? Like, Shepard gets into enough trouble keeping his own, you know, thing in his pants. He doesn't need to worry about other people on the, <laughs> on the Normandy doing that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure uh, off screen Jacob gets it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Have you, I mean, there's a scene with him in the game where he's like working out and doing some ridiculous, like, super ultra CrossFit routine. Uh, and dude looks good. He's cut. I mean, and he's not an asshole, so he's got that going for him. Now we'll uh, we'll talk more about Jacob when we get into the, the the crew profile and whatnot as we go through the game here. But let's finally get to where we were when we left. We had talked to the elusive man, and then they said, "Oh, hey, there's there's something going on at the Freedom's Progress Colony. Why don't you go check that out?" 
So let's hear a recap of what happens when Shepard and Miranda and Jacob go to Freedom's Progress. Shepard, Miranda, and Jacob arrive on Freedom's Progress to find a completely vacant colony. There are no signs of battle, and it gives the impression that everyone just up and left. After fighting through some hostile mechs, Shepard and crew discover a group of Quarians led by none other than Talizora Vasnima, who is here to find Vitor, a Quarian on his pilgrimage who was in Freedom's Progress when it was attacked. Quarians race ahead and run into a heavy mech that slaughters them. Shepard and team are able to defeat it and find Vitor first. He is engrossed in watching security footage of the Collector attack that resulted in the complete abduction of every human in the colony. Shepard distracts him and discusses with Tali whether Vitor or his Omnitool data can be taken for study. Tali declines to come with Shepard as she has her own responsibilities and Shepard takes leave to report to the Elusive Man. The Elusive Man then reveals that he has hired Joker to pilot a rebuilt Normandy and Shepard gets to know his new crew before deciding where to head next. Let's get sort of the... Uh Let's just get into it. Like, how excited were you guys for Tally to come back? Super oh, excited. So excited. Very happy to see her. And then how disappointed were you when she doesn't join the team? <laughs> yeah. Good. Very disappointed. Yeah, that was tough. That was really tough, especially on my first playthrough. I was like, okay, oh, Tally, like, we're going to get some of the old crew back together. And then we'll maybe, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's clear you're going to get new crew. But um, that was definitely a letdown. I, I was, I was really looking forward to having her back. Yes. No, it's, I don't, again, this goes into the whole, uh, you know, like having to rebuild Shepard, kind of, you know, like literally break him down completely and then build, you know, build him or her back up. Yeah. Um, also, like getting into this mission too, is it, however I feel just going to this planet on a shuttle, not having a ship yet. Like those, those little shuttles could go a pretty good distance, apparently, or we're fairly close to this planet. We must have been fairly close, and I, I I have to think that was intentional on the elusive man's part. That he know that this was always the plan was wake Shepard up, go to Freedom's Progress. I just don't know if the timetable worked out necessarily because you know of everything going on with Wilson. Possibly, I'm so curious, like how close this place was to this planet, just to be able to just take a shuttle over there, and then it also be close enough to where. The one of the planets was hit was right there. Did they build it before or after? Or what happened there? Don't don't they show shuttles doing jumps like relay jumps? I, I, Mako did a relay jump. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I think I think the shuttle. I feel like the shuttle actually jumps. Um, and that's how they get in. So I don't I don't know that the is oh, but the elusive yeah okay. Anyway, is like you're right. Like the elusive man definitely did think ahead a little bit here. Um, I I think too. Like the game sort of alludes or gives you the idea later on that the elusive man knows more. Obviously, knows more about the collectors than he's telling you. Oh yes. So, um, it seems you know to me like okay, what happened is Shepard woke up. The elusive man put his plan for Shepard into motion, kind of like you know, quietly got the word out somehow that, oh, hey, there's this vulnerable human colony on Freedom's Progress and then let things play out as he knew they would. I'm trying to remember, does it say how long it had been since the actual attack? Because, I mean, we find Vitor, he's just sitting in that room watching the monitors. Has it been 
hours or days? I mean, clearly the collectors had enough time to, you know, get everything and then leave. Yeah, I, I presume it's, you know, at least hours, maybe a day or two. Because um, I think, like, Vitor, again, is in bad shape when you run into him and, uh, you know, in need of medical attention. So I think he's probably kind of hungry and, and just holed up in there and, and slowly going nuts. And having a little bit of PTSD and all that fun stuff. We'll right, right. But uh, I think when you go around through there, they, they notice the things like, relatively had still been like they just all left the stuff was still like relatively fresh when you uh well when, when you talk to vitor he's just completely entranced you know in, into his little world with the monitors and th this is i think the first time that you really get the opportunity to use your little paragon quick time ability i tried i was like what happens if i don't use that i don't want to i don't want to use that and because it's the part of the game where they're like introducing that feature you just kind of get stuck in a loop where Shepard like keeps trying to talk to him and then he doesn't respond. And then the little button comes up oh. and then if you don't choose it, then Shepard tries to talk to him again and then he doesn't respond and the little button comes up. Oh, I didn't <laughs> I know didn't the realize. game so, forced you into it. That's interesting. Yeah. And in that, in that sequence, it does that you have to go up and, and uh, turn off, turn off the monitors to get his attention. Huh. That's good. Cause like the first, I, I didn't realize that I just all like, Oh shit, I forgot these exist quick. Hit the Paragon option. So how did you guys handle, uh, I guess, uh, getting the information from, uh, from Vitor? Did, did you, uh, did you, did you work, work, uh, work peacefully with Tally or did you were like, no, we're taking Vitor. I mean, I worked with Tally. She's like my ex crew. Like we're tight. I, I felt like my shepherd was going to work with Tally. Like the way, like I play my shepherd, even though his renegade is like, he's just very nice to the crew and a, jackass to everybody else or she is rather in my <laughs> playthrough but you know so like i was i was rude to other people and nice to tally which meant that uh, for my playthrough at least like she got vitor uh sent back with her and the quarians to the to the fleet um yeah. which pays off anyway uh i mean so a lot of this stuff pays off too and this is the problem with like knowing what's coming down the line like this will come up later in tally's loyalty mission and then like it ripples and affects all the way down through, you know, consequences of Mass Effect 3 with the Quarians and, and whatnot. So I just like there is a objectively better choice to make to make your life easier. And so that's the one that I stuck with. Yeah, I know for me, I, I definitely helped out Tally because Tally's my girl and I don't trust the elusive man Cerberus. So not going to help them out if I don't have to, you know, Does if it doesn't work out. And as well, it's it's also nice to see other Quarians besides just Tally in this. So a few times we yes. at least we see actual Quarians and male Quarians. Yeah. And yeah, some of them are assholes. <laughs> yeah, they're <at> dicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they get, and, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I, I guess I get their sort of xenophobia from their perspective, especially too, since Cerberus had apparently blown up a ship in the flotilla that. Do we ever get the full information on that story, or is it just kind of left vague? There is, oh, um, I think in three somewhere it's described, like, what went down specifically. Okay. Or more specifically. So, like, the, the short version is, is Cerberus um, basically planted a mole uh, inside a Corian ship and then, like, started problems within the flotilla. Um, 
was After it a Moporian or or is it a yeah uh, okay yeah I guess so it would have to I mean because well they don't wear their suits in the flotilla right like the the flotilla that on no, the ship they they, no, they, they, wear, they wear they wear their suits oh. all the time almost even all on the, the flotilla. Time, yeah. Yeah. See, I would have thought they would be able to at least engineer the the environments on the ships so that they wouldn't need them. But I guess you're right, actually, because we yeah, we we do we would see that later. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, yeah, and they talk about like how they link up their envi or their suits environments, and that's like a an intimacy thing. Um, so yeah, I think like once you get your suit, you're in it, not f- all the time, all the time, but pretty darn near it. It's basically your second skin. Man, it sucks to be a quarian. A little oh. bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would suck when your entire planet, when you lost your planet, you live on just spaceships with very tons of people in tight quarters. Yeah, it sounds shitty. Yeah, so so Praza, what, I mean, he he gets what what's coming to him earlier, as I said, because, you know, like, you know, basically like he's like, no, we're not working with Cerberus for good reason, I guess. And then basically it's kind of a, a race to get to Vitor. And of course they run into the mech first and the mech just tears them apart. And that's when you, you get to test your, your squad abilities. You get to use the, uh, the Q and the E buttons, I think for positioning Jacob and Miranda. And then, then you get to do your little fight with the, with the, with the heavy mech. Yeah. I like this fight. It's a good little intro boss type fight. Um, these are the kinds of like boss encounters that I actually like in, in shooters is where, you know, you have enemies that are tougher, but not with like ridiculous, unique boss mechanics. Yeah, well, I don't remember actually being. I didn't even think of the boss battle. Just kind of like I remember him just going down real quickly. Hmm. Well, the nice thing is that because again, this is sort of like your first real boss fight. Jacob and Miranda will tell you, "Use my ability here to to you know take out his shields, or you know use overload, use warp," and. Well, I, I was, you know, when I was playing it, like as I'm shooting it, the thing down to like zero health, Jacob's like, use warp. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're past that. Now. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you know what Thanks to do, but if you take a couple of those like rocket launchers, you can start to panic a little bit quickly. Oh, yeah. So it's, I think it's a little bit different, like the first time as you're settling back in, but yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is like, I use a lot of overload. So his like health went down super quick. Didn't really do much to me, and like throw a pistol that like, goes through armor, so it's like, and you're dead. There was one part in the fight where I ran and hid behind one of the boxes that'll blow up, and like, so I did that, and of course, like the thing shoots the box, and I'm like, why did I? Why did I hide there? Why did I use that for cover? That right. Was, that was obviously not a good spot. Which that's hey, also a new thing in this game, uh, is destructible cover. Yes. And this is where you learn that there is destructible cover and to maybe not use it. Right. Conversely, it also teaches you that the enemies can use destructible cover, so feel free to shoot, shoot it out from them. And they will use destructible cover a lot. Yes. They don't have very good survival instincts. So anything else to say about Freedom's Progress? It's, it's really short. Yeah. I, I, seem, I, I felt like remembering it this was like oh yeah this is gonna be like like eden prime felt like it had a little bit of heft but i guess eden prime serves the purpose of being your first exposure to combat that the the medical uh facility did earlier so this is sort of the the follow-up to that i guess eden prime is 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 everything you know it'd be the medical part and freedom's progress so freedom's progress is is like super fast 
Yeah, there was yeah. one thing I noticed in your notes here I was curious about. You said uh, your near bed's a hologram of a skeleton with lungs and red pops up. What's what was that one for? I don't remember this part. Yeah, when in one of the in one of like the trailers that you go through, uh, it's like a medical trailer, and yeah, like when you walk up to one of the the the, the sensors, like a skeleton, it, it's got like a holographic skeleton, and then like the the lungs appear on the display, and they're red. Hmm. Which is, I don't I don't think that's Shepard's lungs. I think I guess that would just be the records for. Whoever was there, I just thought that was interesting uh, as far as, you know, if there's any sort of significance there, but I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, that is a weird display. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, I did like the, uh, once we get the, the data from Tally in here, though, we get to see first look of our enemies. Those, uh, those gosh darn collectors. Yeah, they, uh, they're like suitably creepy uh, and good. It's interesting because... Um, We'll talk about this more later, but the the look of the the collectors ended up being kind of a surprise to me. I'll just say, well, they they're very they're very bug like. They're very bug like, very mechanical looking like, but it's like they're like a biological instead. Of like for last time we were facing, we were facing just a lot of mechanical, a lot of geth, and then whoever whoever Sarah and them was able to hire him for stuff. This time we're going against someone that's not it's not geth. No, but even like the pods that they 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 collect the people in, it all feels very insectoid. Like they're you know even their ship is kind of it looks like a almost like a paper wasp's nest. Yeah, with like like you know rocket parts sticking out of it. Absolutely. Weird thing about their ship is like, how does that thing operate? It's just like a giant rock with a cannon coming out of it and some engines. I mean. All what is a rocket, but a bunch of engines and something strapped to the front of them. So why not? Why not a a giant bug's nest? Yeah, well, it's not, yeah. It's not the rockets or the gun stuff. It's the rock. It's, it just literally looks like a rock. I'm like, how does that work? It, you probably hollow out an asteroid or something and build that a ship inside uh, it. Yeah, that's actually a fairly good use of an asteroid. That makes more sense than I think about it. Yeah. Especially for the for the size of what they they may need that for, to to put that in there, um, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you first see their ship real briefly before it blows up the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think you, know, you, you, get, you know, yeah, they they got an asteroid, they hollowed it out, they used the minerals to do ship construction, and then they've got a whole bunch of room for doing their you know collecting of uh, trading cards and. What have you? <laughs> so I'll trade you a human. You got some Batarians over there. You got some Turians. Uh, you know, I got Turians. Okay. It is interesting that the collectors have a history of be, like participating in the universe. Yes. That they're that they're a known well, at the very least, they're a rumored race. That usually they they come out and they use intermediaries to collect whatever they want, and they always come out through that one the Omega Four relay. They pop out. They'll. Uh, you know, they'll get what they want and then, go, you know, disappear back through that. But very few people have actually seen them. So they're kind of like a boogeyman in that regard. But of course, Shepard is nothing if not the kind of person who will determine that the boogeyman is real and then face it down. No matter whether the boogeyman is a talking spaceship or, uh, you know, a, a bug race that, uh, you know, is a uh, very uh, enigmatic. Yeah. And uses bug drones to collect all the all the people and like freeze them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the interesting thing is the uh, yeah the bug drones that 
that they, uh, you know, because yeah, it makes it so much easy to come and collect everything. And that, that's what makes them so creepy is that they just freeze everybody and then just take them away. Yeah. At their leisure. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very convenient for them. Uh, it's weird. It's simultaneously weird to me and, and a little bit, I guess also believable that you have this race of aliens that always come out of one relay and are known for just kidnapping people, like taking live hostages and taking them back away. And everybody just kind of says, yeah, okay, well, don't live near the Omega four relay, I guess. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no security presence. There's nothing there, right? Like you, you get to Omega, uh, the asteroid, and then you have like the relay that's just kind of there. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, this happens from time to time. We all just it would be like like if you live somewhere and and like every once in a while, like a bear just came and grabbed, you know, a kid and was like, "Okay, this is my kid now. I'm going to take it away. And everybody was like, well, that does happen. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think I don't think the collectors had been doing it to any real problematic scale before like the, the whole problem here yeah. is that they're specifically targeting human colonies and they're 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 picking them off one after the other uh, and they're Whereas getting before, a lot i get it but like what is a problematic scale like at what point is you know i, I, well, I don't th- i don't i don't know that they had used the swarms before i guess because like th- like when you talk to the elusive man here which we'll get to in a moment but he says like oh no like they they, they would show up and, you know, you, they would usually have like an, uh, uh, you know, like they would talk to like an intermediary and have the Batarians or somebody go out, hire some mercenaries. They would go off and do the collecting and then bring the person back. Basically, they were, you know, employing bounty hunters. Yeah. And the Batarians and now makes sense because they are, they deal in slave trade and everything else. That's normal for their culture. So they go through. Right. Who's used to doing that. Right. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's the part that is believable is it's kind of like, well, you know, it just wasn't like like you said, Nick, it wasn't to a scale that mattered to people yes. before. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, yeah. this happens like it's part of life in the galaxy. But and I, I think that's part of the problem, too, is that we never like the universe had never seen what the collectors themselves are capable of because they were always showing up and letting somebody else do it. Now they're getting their hands dirty and they're nobody's used to seeing that. They don't even know that it's the collectors at first because like like you pointed out, Kuramara. That, you know, this is the first time that this is the first time that not only that we see the collectors, uh, you know, through Vitor's video uh, montage, but that anybody has any evidence that the collectors are there. And and when you talk to the elusive man, he says, you know, oh, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I thought it was them, but I needed you to get proof and you brought it to me. Now we've got proof. Let's go, you know, kick some collector butt. Yeah. And they just. They had they had like theories that they're working with the Reapers or something because like basically whenever they come out they have advanced technology, mysteriously new revolutionary technology trade for individuals. Well, in particular, what tips off the elusive man, or at least what, what raises his suspicions, is the fact that they are they have the Omega Four relay and it only responds to their ship. That any other ships that go through don't come back. And so he's like, if they're messing with relays, we know relays are Reaper technology, therefore. They must be working with the Reapers because how else would you be able to do that? Very true. Also, is this the, I think this is probably the first time we see a system that has two relays. No, the Serpent's Head Nebula. Does it have two relays? Has a relay and the Citadel. But does the Citadel count as a relay if it's not, because no one knows it's a relay. Well, no one knew it was a relay. No. I mean, I mean, actually, like, <laughs> actually, it has three because the Citadel itself is a relay, but then also it's got the relay to a little baby one in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually got three relays there. Once again, 
those are the ones that people don't know are relays. I'm saying, hey, do we have seen ones where people known there were relays? And no one thought it was kind of weird that there was two relays. It's kind of normal to have that. I don't think it's normal, but I don't think it's unheard of. Um, And I think like the other thing that you have, uh, I I think what the game does not do is is show like a lot of uh, a lot of the relays that might be there, because some systems, it seems like have like big relays and then like they talk about these like cluster like there's relays that can shoot like very far distances right like across the galaxy if you want and then they talk about there being like smaller relays that are more like system to system uh and they're more point to point they only go from one place to another that's this is what it is there's relays that can go one to many and then there's relays that are only one to one I'm not as concerned about the relays. I just want fuel depots in every system. Yeah, they're like, it's very, I guess it makes, yeah, I feel like you'd have fuel depots in every system because, like, uh, it's like trying to get from the system that doesn't have a relay to the one that relay, like, and run out of fuel halfway through. Right. I mean, luckily you have it parked outside the relay, but it's like, all right, I need to fuel enough to go to my flood destination and then have enough to get back. Yeah, I don't, this is one thing about the exploration that I didn't, miss in mass effect one where you don't have this flying between systems like you just kind of hop from a to b um i I don't i don't like this fuel mechanic i particularly don't like it in the third game um where there's also the the reaper mechanic involved in like exploration and yeah spoilers (laughs) kidding i mean (laughs) Uh, so uh yeah, so we, we report back to the elusive man as we talked about. We talk about the the, the Reapers and the Omega Four Relay, and uh, but then the one thing Shepard has the opportunity to do is to ask the elusive man, "Hey, you know, okay, so Tally didn't want to come back and join me, but I have a crew out there I can go recruit. I don't need your list of people here because uh, you know the elusive man's like, okay, I got three dossiers, take them, go get these people. They'll be awesome for you to work with." And Shepard's like, "No, I don't need." You know, I I know people. I can, you know, call a few friends. They'll all be here. It'll be a party and we'll go, you know, curb stomp some some uh, collectors. And this is where you find out that Garrus is unaccounted for, that uh Caden or Ashley is with the alliance. They've been promoted and uh that their their status is highly classified. Uh that Rex is off on Tuchanka uniting the clans. Um uh, and that Liara is working for the Shadow Broker on Ilium. Yeah, I must have skipped which, this part because I don't remember ever doing this ever. Any of my playthrough. You can ask. It's it's a it's a dialogue option. If you don't take the dialogue option, then the elusive man doesn't tell you. But basically, like, yeah, you can have Shepard be like, "Hey, I want my team." <laughs> to point of point of order, I'm pretty sure that the elusive man says uh, Liara is an information broker on Ilium, not that she's working for the Shadow Broker. No, no, I I, I, I I'm pretty sure he says he's working. She's working for the Shadow Broker. Really? Okay, we'll yes. have to go back to the Which, tape on this one. We, yeah, we, we can we can. Put put a pin in that. We can come back to that later when we go talk to Liara and see what's going on. Um, but he, he he that that is what he says. Huh. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get to Liara because you're you're, you're absolutely correct in raising that point of order. <laughs> yeah, and also considering it's a shadow, like even if she d- didn't work directly with the shadow broker. Everybody goes for the shadow broker, so. Well, it's interesting, though, because it's like that's kind of the flip side of what you're doing. Like, you're off working with Cerberus. Like, if Liara, like I'm sure Liara's, you know, you know, 
brokering her information. And when it comes across her desk that Shepard's working with server, she's like, what the? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like, you're kind of like, wait, she's working with the shadow broker? What? Like, wh- why would she do that? And so, yeah, there's a little bit of a, you know, like, you guys got to sit down and have a talk about this because you're both allied with some, you know, I guess, you know, hunting reapers make strange bedfellows. Yeah, it's also kind of like, like, she was an archaeologist. The information broker is your second yeah, career she, choice. <laughs> she makes a hard turn in her career choice for it, sure. It makes sense though, and I think this is even kind of how she explains it. But like, basically, an archaeologist is just an information broker of the dead. But, you know, like she's trying to piece together what people were doing and collecting information on, you know, like the Protheans. You know, f- trying to find out information about what was going on fifty thousand years ago. Now. She's, you know, dealing with information that's current and about races that currently exist, like the collectors. Yeah. It's not an insane leap, especially since, you know, I mean, you like her whole time with you on the Normandy, I think, just changes her her life's trajectory a lot. And so it's it's fine. And it, yeah, like it is pretty believable because it's exactly what you said, Nick. Yeah, it's, believable. it's just interesting. I'm like, oh, OK, I, I, I gotcha. Yes. But not what I would have expected. Well, I guess, I mean, so, so Liara kind of doubles down on her informational knowledge. Rex doubles down on his, you know, his, his, his heritage, you know, Kate and her Ashley double down on their alliance ties. Garrus will get to separately and Tally, you know, is, is back in, you know, back with the fleet. Like, I think everybody, I think it makes sense in the sense that everybody united under Shepard and once Shepard was lost. Everybody went back to what they knew, but they went back harder than they did before. And so they're all, I think they all understand like the universe, the universe is in peril. Even if, even though Shepard likes, you know, stop sovereign, you know, it's clearly like the threats are still out there and everybody's kind of working the the threats from their own angle that they can. Yeah, and also and, and like, now it's just a matter of catching up with them to find out. Shepard like raised everybody up to like higher skill levels. So like people are like, just like they go back to these skills. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the experience. Sure. Well, yeah, they didn't get to reset their abilities because they didn't die yeah. and didn't get to go through the character creator. <laughs> That's fair. There you go. Although, when you do get some of these characters, they do start out with no experience points. It's just whatever you want to put in there. But again, that's because it's a new, a new skill tree. <laughs> skill tree. So the well. So the the last reveal that the elusive man provides is probably the biggest reveal at this point, uh, but it's the, the the I guess the most necessary reveal. Seth uh, Green. Yes, yes, is that uh, well he he reveals Joker that okay because uh, Sh- Shepard does say that he's going to need a pilot and he's like well I, I found a pilot you may like, and then he reveals Joker, and then Joker's like hey let me show you what they what they showed me last night. Which I'm surprised that Joker signed on without knowing this was the plan all along. But you know, I guess I guess at that point, just knowing that you're gonna be working with Shepard, who saved you from the ship blowing up, makes sense. Well, and then yeah, that's when you get the, the I, big reveal of the the Normandy SR two. Well, it also makes sense like when they recruited Joker because I think he was grounded by the Alliance, and he's like, Joker's like, I can't fly. Screw this. I'm going somewhere to let me fly. Right. No, it makes complete sense. So. Yeah, and then, then now you're 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 back on the Normandy here. What did you guys think of the new and improved expanded Normandy? 
No elevators is a well. No elevator rides is was a huge. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I really like it. Um, it's nice to have all that space. Uh, it definitely, as you see all the empty rooms, the game kind of tips its hat to you. Like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of people. Like, you're gonna have a big crew. Um, right. which which is exciting. Like, I, I I don't know. I liked it. It's a little brighter, I think, than the original Normandy two, which I liked. I I thought it had just more of a yeah, it's bigger. Much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. More of a distinct like look to it, it seemed yeah. like. And and you know, I don't know. I I love it. It's it's a really nice um and it shows that they, you know, really think of the ship as a character and, and kind of double down on that character of the ship as well. Yeah. And they also like give you the, the your own cabin, the captain's yes. quarters, the the loft. Where the loft, it's like, oh, yeah. with a giant ass bed in there. <laughs> they know what Shepard's up to. <laughs> he's, he's, all, he's also into modeling. There are model. There are places for model ships in there. The fish tanks. My... Yeah, the models. Uh, yeah. Okay. Does the? I'll admit, I'm all about. You know, I'll buy the model ships when I see them, and I'll let that little window get full of ships. I'm fine with that. I have never had any interest in doing anything with the fish tank. Does the fish tank do anything for you? Is it, is there some kind of readiness thing in the third game that I'm missing out on because I didn't buy like a, the the one fighting fish that can kick a reaper in the teeth? No, the, the no. fish tank is purely cosmetic. Um, and it's okay. actually kind of annoying until you build up your relationship with, uh, Kelly chambers to a certain point at which point, like she'll take care of your fish for you. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you can buy an automated way to also take care of the fish, or is that in three? And I just... That is only in three. Okay, it's in three. I know there's one time someone can take care of my fish. Yeah. You're, you're... If you run into Kelly in three, um, which I guess is sort of a spoiler, but when, when you bump into Kelly in three, uh, she will give you your fish back. <laughs> she takes, your fish. She takes care she of your fish for you like the whole way. I don't know. I don't know. God, Kelly Chambers. We'll talk about her in a second. Yeah, well, yeah. So we can talk about her now as we got on the ship. It's like she's one of the first. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, um. Yeah. So how do you? It's what Yeoman? Is that how you say it? Yeoman Kelly Chambers. Yeoman. Yeoman. Yeah. Yeoman. Okay. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So she's what a fan of Shepard. She has a degree in psychology, and her job is to monitor the crew, which is nice. Because especially as the crew fills up, like on the first Normandy, you have your little routine where you run around and you're like, okay, let me, you know, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get uh, tally over in engineering. I'll run over into the, the the main bay. I'll talk to everybody in there. That's most of them. Then I'll go up, you know, Caden's over by the galley. Skip and then I that. just got to find, uh, uh, Liara's off by medical. That, 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 That's right. That, that throws you a little bit. Yeah, she's she's yeah. your secretary, basically. She's like, hey, people need help. Uh, go talk to them. Press ones to talk to you. Right. Oh, you got a message? Although a lot of times she'll tell you about the message after I've already read it. That is very also funny. Also true. Yeah. No messages for you, Commander. What I like is that if you talk to her and you just like, you know, how's the crew? And she's like, everybody's fine. And you're like, okay, I'll talk to you later. She's like, okay, fine. But if you like choose the, well, how are you doing option? And then you get like the extra menu options. And then you're like, you know, I've already talked to you. I've already seen these dialogues. I want to go back. When you're, she says bye, she sounds sadder. Like, I don't think it's the same sound file as if you just say bye after checking that. Like, I think like there's a little like, oh, I guess we'll talk later or something like she's she she sounds she, she sounds disappointed that you like asked and then didn't follow up. I guess maybe that's I don't think I talked to her enough to really figure that out. I'm like, oh, thank you, Kelly. 
There is also, there's like a whole romance like quest or whatever, not quest line, but there's a whole like sort of romance dialogue line with her. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think she counts as a uh, paramour. She count for any of those shavings. Nope. It's just a just a hookup. It's just a hookup. Yeah. Doesn't count doesn't count against your relationships with any other squad mates. So yeah. She is, she is the Jacob to your Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> And that you can continue to have a perfectly working professional relationship and it will all be done. That's, That's true. Very yeah. fair. And she also seems to really love everybody on the ship. She's a people person. The one thing that I do like, and I, I need to find the actual sound file for this, but she does compare aliens to dogs, which I know Ashley did infamously in the first game. And I don't think it's in the same way, but uh, yeah, I just find that funny that we're still doing that. After yeah. The second game. Please, people, don't compare people anybody to dogs. That's not a very nice thing to do. Whether positive or negative, it's not a good thing. Just let dogs be dogs. They've done enough. Like, just let right. them hang. And uh, and so the one thing that, that Kelly does a very good job of though is telling you when you do have email or there's a new message at your terminal commander. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so yeah, so we get the little email terminal that we can check now. We start getting messages. So some of the messages we've got already here. Uh, and right now, I think there are just mostly messages about the various missions. Like you get one about the Firewalker DLC. You got one about the Overlord DLC. You get an information about the Arc Projector and the Armory that you can go check. Uh, Hackett sent you an email about the Normandy crash site. So that's another mission for you to go do. And then the one message I guess that's at all relevant is you get one from Anderson saying, hey, why don't you come visit me on the Citadel? Jerk. Since you appointed me to this crappy position and now I got to deal with it. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's um. Yeah, the game kind of blows you up with missions, like especially with the DLC, which wasn't in the original base game. But yeah, you get you also get like a ton of gear. I think right at the beginning of the game now too, because it was you all do. DLC gear. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird. It's I, I think the intro to this game probably suffers a little bit from the overload of of content right at the front because it was before all the DLC was available. It was very like tight. Um, yeah. and I think very tight and very, it gives you, you know, a pretty obvious path to follow, uh, and, and some good like guardrails and then really opens up like post Omega. Uh, but here it's like, no, you could go do like, I did, I did the, the Normandy crash site mission before I ever set foot on Omega because it's a solo mission and why not just get right. it out of the way. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's the one thing I was wondering. Cause I mean, especially how with how time sensitive some of the missions can become later on in the in the game it's almost yes. to your benefit to do some of this stuff early on before you have too many you know balls in the air as it were but then again at the same time like i don't know if you want to do like the the firewalker dlc or the overlord dlc like with just miranda and jacob at level four because you know you may want to i, I forget how oh, the, the, the difficulty the, is on the those, firewalker you, you one wanna, i don't think matters Pretty sure that's all just in, in your sh- in a ship, isn't it? In the uh, ma- is it the, ma- the the? There's a good amount of that. The hammerhead. The up. hammerhead. Or the hammerhead. Yes, you're mm-hmm. right. You're right. Once again, we're going with shark names. <laughs> yes. But uh, I for some reason I remember just using this the uh, the ship itself. I haven't done the missions yet. Yeah, we'll get back. We'll get to them eventually, but. Yeah, I think that's that. That's my only concern with some of the DLC stuff is that by offering it at the beginning, that I, I worry that there's a chance you can run into, you can overwhelm yourself too early. 
Yeah. And then gets gets stuck in like a, a fight that you're, you know, you're not ready for because they they put it out expecting, oh, yeah, you'll do this like after you've beaten the game when you're max level and like everything's a joke and it's not. Well, I don't yeah. think Firewalker is because that's always been included in the game when you get it. It's always put as DLC, but I've always had it. Okay, Firewalker yeah. was DLC. Yeah, yes. but it was like whatever when I got the, when I got the game at least it was already or it was like pre order bonus or something, right? No, it's actually when you when if you buy it, you get this little like the little digital thing you get to buy to unlock the game. It just it comes with it. Oh, this was EA's whole like. A, this is when they were trying to like prevent resale or make resale yeah. more annoying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, this, you, you got it through the Cerberus network. Cerberus network. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you get the Cerberus, you get the Firewalker DLC, which just you know hammerhead missions. Yeah. Which is I I like them. They're fine. We'll get to them at some point. But yeah, it, it is it is just there's just a lot of stuff that opens out right at the beginning of the game. Um, yeah. Which the game still is like really wants you to go to Omega first, which you should. Absolutely. But uh, do we want to talk about the new crew members we have on here? Let's uh, do that. Let's let's talk about the uh, probably the most important new crew member who's not actually a member. Well, I guess you head to the front of the ship and you get to talk to Joker. And then also Joker's got a, a new partner, a new buddy, a new pal. And that's Edie, which is the it's, it's it's not a VI. It's an AI, right? It's like a restricted AI. It's a shackled, yep. on the ship. Sh- shackled AI. Shackled AI. Yes. Yeah. Which, and, yeah, still has like full seemingly AI capabilities, but with some like restrictions on what she can do. And restrictions on what she knows she can do. Yeah. And she's represented by that little that sphere on kind of a, a almost like a stand. And then like she when she talks, like her mouth is sideways, almost like an eyeball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A sideways eyeball, like those one things from Zelda. Yeah. So and she, she who is she voiced by? I, I, I had it and I lost it. Uh, seven of nine, right? Yeah, Trisha um, Helfer. Trisha Helfer. Yes, I didn't realize yes, yes. that was Trisha. Was Not, she seven? No, seven. No, no, no. no she, she was. She was um, uh, no, she was in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, she was the Cylon whose number I can't remember. But okay, yes. that makes more sense. I'm gonna, yeah, seven or nine is somebody else. I said like really. Yeah. No. Okay. Which is which is like another great sort of casting nod to hey we had our AI voiced by the Cylon like perfect well done. No, and she and Joker. They have some of the best comedy in the game. I love their chemistry. Any anytime you go to talk to them, they're they're bickering, and I mean sometimes sometimes Joker's just doing it doing it on his own, and then sometimes the two of them are going back and forth. Um, but they're the one group that it's always worth it to talk to Joker after like every mission that you do, just because he's got some kind of comment, and Edie will usually chime in as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're they're the way that their relationship grows uh is is really pleasant. I, I really enjoy it. Um and Edie's yes. funny. Like Edie is deadpan funny as as time goes on in the game as well. Well there there's the there's the one part where like because I mean at first like Joker is just trashing her relentlessly. And she just kind of takes it because she's an AI and doesn't know any better. And I don't even think she realizes like Joker's, I don't think she even understands what Joker's doing to her. 
And then finally she starts to get it and starts to give it back to him. And that's when it just goes, you know, like, like she levels up a little bit and it's just like, okay, this is, this is just fun. Yeah. I also enjoy that. She's like at every part of the ship that the, yes. you can talk to her about the different parts of the ship, the different, like the, the, the lab, the med bay, the crew quarters. It's also funny when you go to the wrong bathroom, it's like Shepard, your bathroom's oh, on yeah. that port side. Yeah, that is funny. It it is interesting, but it, it, I guess I have a different perspective on Edie being like omnipresent on the ship now than I did in say 2010, because you know we have we have Alexa in our house, and so we don't have just one; we have them in several rooms. So it's the same thing where like I can walk into a given room and like there's now in Edie's case, she's a hologram in each instance, but there's still a little like receptacle for her that she pops out of. And so, yeah, so it's the same thing. Like you walk in a room and you're like, Edie, do this, Edie, do that. It's like, oh, I'm actually, that's actually how I live. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like being on the Normandy. Not me. I'm still, I'm still uh, nervous of that stuff. So I haven't bought any yet. (laughs) Yeah, we have, uh, you're probably right. We have the Apple stuff all over instead of the Amazon stuff, but it's the same deal. Like it's it's all voice controlled, you know, have it like on my watch, like and and I'm not going to name she who should not be named because then my audio is going to cut out. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> um, it is really different than it was in 2010. It does not yeah. feel all that futuristic, frankly. It's like, yeah, OK, sure. This is normal. The hologram's cool, I guess. Yes. Even holograms are becoming less uh, less cool. It's true. So other other people that are new to the ship, uh, because uh, Engineer Adams is no longer uh, on the Normandy. Uh, instead, we have Daniels and Donnelly handling engineering. God, these people like are freaking characters too. I no, love these two. It, they're my favorite, like a new additions because they're so. I mean, I, I like non essential crew so like not including right. Edie, but they're these two are funny funny as hell together well, like they've got they've got the bickering that like joker and Edie have but it's it's clearly less hostile like joker openly disdains Edie initially whereas the they, they've got the bickering of two people who are very familiar have been working together forever they know each other's thoughts before the other one is having them. And they've just got that familiarity and that camaraderie that they're able to go back and forth on, on it. And it's funny because I, I put in my notes here, Fitzsimmons. And I remember, I don't know if any if you guys watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but when uh, Fitz and Simmons were introduced as, as the engineering team on, uh, on, on Coulson's uh, ship, I remember thinking like, oh, these two are like that couple from Mass Effect 2. Oh, that's and funny. now... Going back in London, I'm like, oh, yeah, these two are, are like, you know, early Fitz and Simmons. It's, it's funny that, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any, you know, if, if there was any uh, influence of one on the other. Um, I guess it would be Daniels and Donnelly influencing Fitzsimmons, but it, 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 they initially reminded me of each other and they still remind me of each other in that regard. Yeah. So I, I, I found that to be very. Uh, and it's also like they're also ex-Alliance, but they're and they fought in the Battle of the Citadel. Which was nice, but they seemed very surprised to see you come down, like, and just interact with the grunts. Well, I don't think they obviously they weren't on the Normandy back then. And actually, Shepard wasn't on the Normandy for the Battle of the Citadel. For That's that true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, one of them. I think it's uh, Daniel says to to Kenneth, like she she's like, "No, I told you Shepard would show up." 
<laughs> yes. And and he's yes. surprised. He is a he is a horn dog, man. Like <laughs> yes. Really? He, he I must have missed it. Oh, you just miss that? Like the every time it happened when you talk to him ever? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I don't remember. What what was the interaction? You've gotta remind me. Which one? <laughs> like he he spends a lot of time talking about I don't know, just body parts, like ladies, boobs and butts, man. Like that's he just spends a lot of time on that, uh, which I think, you know, she it's very funny, too, because like the two of them are obviously like they bicker like an old married couple. Like they obviously got to get together at some point. Um, But he's just such a he's so oblivious. And so. I don't know. I just I love these two. They're very funny. He's so focused on all the women that Shepard could go for that he's not noticing the one right by him that Shepard can't go for because that's not how the game is written. That's right. <laughs> Sounds like some friends I have, but you know. <laughs> and that's what makes him so relatable. So I did want to mention they're not full crew members, but there is uh there are two uh two officers sitting in uh in the crew quarters, Ralston and Patel. And they're they're good as far as whenever you walk by them and you actually have to go into the crew quarters to check on them. You can't just walk by the crew quarters. So you have to go out of your way to check on them. But when you come over, you'll overhear their conversation and they have a running narrative. I think it's Ralston has a, a one year old and a family in New Canton, which is one of the colonies in the, uh, the terminus systems. And there's an ongoing narrative about the collectors coming and he's trying to get his family off there. And you know, how's that all working out? Um, so as the game progresses, it's good to check in and, and see, uh, you know, get a feel for what's happening elsewhere out in the uh, human colonies. It was just like really nice. It's like you, you go back to some other characters. They talk about some of their families either missing or something else happened to them. You're like, feels like actually a live ship because previous Normandy, a lot, you walk by a lot of people, but they wouldn't say a word really. Right. Yeah, it's well, nice. There's- They're just nice, like sort of color on the ship. They're, you know, I, I like these things. There's a lot of these and they do even more of them, I think. Well, they do more throughout this game where there's just like kind of people you can walk by in different, you know, I guess cities, for lack of a better word, who, if you walk by them enough, will unfold a little story for you. So I, I like that. Yes. And usually at some point, the, the story usually ends right when it's about to get interesting. And they're like, excuse me, we're talking here. <laughs> <laughs> they do that. They do do that like a few times and it is kind of rude. There are two soldiers uh, talking, I think, at the front of the CIC uh, that every time you go up to talk to Joker, you'll wind up passing them. And you can hear their little ongoing narrative, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also, uh, when you go by the galley, there's uh, a few people sitting there eating the food, and they'll always give uh, Mess Sergeant Gardner. They're usually yelling at him, giving him some grief about the quality of the food. And that's actually one of the missions when you talk to Mess Sergeant Gardner, is that he wants to get some good food so he can cook a good meal for the crew. Yes, Mess Sergeant Gardner. Also, the custodian and the maintenance guy and the janitor and the custodians. Don't worry about that. Dude's got to pull his weight. That's what he says, so, you know. Yeah, but I also, I usually don't want the, my cook to be the same person who's also the janitor and then also the maintenance. He That's, said he washes his hands. I know he washes his hands. It's still, it's still a lot of work. To have one person doing, but I guess it's uh, I guess he's living in 2021, so you know. 
No, nothing wrong with pulling double duty yeah. or triple duty. Just wash your hands. Which he does, mostly. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, he's got the mission for where you want to get the, 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 the meal, the ingredients to make a meal for the crew. One other person who has a mission for uh, Shepard to pick something up is Dr. Chakwas, who is back. This is nice. I like her. I, I like oh, her in the first Chakra. game. You barely talk to her, but I don't know. I think, you know, especially in retrospect after this game and, and somewhat as well, you know, because I think I've already spoiled this, but but she's a, a recurring character through the series. Um, it's nice to see her again. Uh, it makes it feel better. Like the, when I replayed this game, I guess is what I'm saying clumsily. I It meant more than maybe like the first time I played through. Yeah, so she, uh, yeah, so she's back, or she's well, she, she you know, she, she doesn't really trust Cerberus, but she came to join the Normandy when she heard Shepard was there, and so she came back for that. Uh, her thing is that she wants some uh, Ceres brandy because she used to keep some around for a special occasion and never got to drink it because it got blown up with the Normandy. So you have to find some brandy for her uh, so that uh, she can have that on hand. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, when she was with the Alliance, she got reassigned to Mars, but she wanted to be on a starship, and that's when she quit the Alliance and uh, ultimately joined Cerberus. So it is good to have her around. And I think that wraps up everybody on the Normandy now, correct? Did I miss anybody? I don't think so. We still have we have Miranda on there. We have Jacob on there. We'll talk about them later. But I think non-crew members, I think that's everybody. So, so as we said, the, the one thing is when you talk to the elusive man and then even Miranda, when you get onto the Normandy proper, Miranda's like, Hey, remember what the elusive man said? And they're like, yeah, you should go to Omega and get, uh, Dr. Morden Solis because as we were talking about that swarm earlier that the, uh, the collectors used to stun everybody, apparently, uh, they expect that Dr. Morden Solis will be able to find a way to negate that effect. So they want you to go get him and they want you, to, they, they recommend getting him first so that you can take care of the collectors or not have to worry about their swarm. And therefore you can actually do your job. Yeah. It's also really good to get more than first because you can't unlock the upgrade system or the research system until you get Morden. So he's kind of an important first step to grab it, to grab, you know? It's also good to get Morden first because he's he's kind of a fun character. Oh, he's cool. I love he's Morden. One of, one of my favorite characters. So I think we'll stop here, and the next time we'll pick up traveling to Omega to get Morden. And maybe other people as well. Yeah, some mercenaries and stuff, you know. Nothing interesting. No. no nobody that we've worked with before. Nah, nobody. So all of that said... I want to thank Jarrett for producing and editing, and I want to thank you at home for downloading and listening. We are at Squad Goals N7 on Twitter, also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also YouTube at youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Chip, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at WD, that's word double, Y-E-W-D-E-E, on Twitter uh, and Twitch, and uh, right here on the MASH Network on Wondrous Tales, where every couple weeks uh, we talk about Final Fantasy XIV. Kuro, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Kurabars, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-S, or on twitch.tv slash Kurabara. And then you can also find me on the MASH Network, talking every week about Apex Legends on Dropping Spicy, and some other shows whenever uh, it happens. And what about you, Nick? 
I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and also on the Torn and the Goblin, talking about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord and email us any of your thoughts or questions. Let us know what you think of the brand new Normandy at squadgoals at mash.gg. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to patron-exclusive content. You can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg slash support. Stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. This is my favorite podcast on the network. See you, Commander. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 